Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Have a fun episode for you guys. Full of uh, horsing around. Horsing around? Did you, do you see what I did there? I did. No one else gets it yet. Yeah, but this is kind so of like a... So that's a stupid joke. No, it's like a pre-joke where I joke. It's and like then, telling an inside joke, but you're literally the only person yeah, that knows the joke. But I'm going to let them in in a little while, and then they're going to go, oh, that was funny. That's that called guy. a callback joke. Callback joke, But yes. usually callbacks, you told the it's joke the previously. Right, the exactly. That's just how special I, I am. All right, so... Um, <laughs> Chris doesn't get comedy. <laughs> What have you got going on? What's going on over there at Jake's? Um, well, before our adventure we did uh, on Tuesday, I had sent my carbs from the 9-11 in to our carb master, Dave. Yep, carb raider, Dave. Um, and I mentioned that before, but what I didn't mention is he texted me a couple things that I learned. He goes, one, when you had your carb fire, did you have to replace this whole carburetor? I was like, no. He's like, oh, okay. well, they're not a matching set. So... For your 911, your Zenith, right. they're not matching. Right. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, are they, he's like, yeah, there's, are, are they both, like, I've gone through them. I know they're both the 4010, the correct right. carburetor is supposed but to be on there. they're not a matching set. He's like, a, yeah, no, the serial numbers are, are off these, for, Is that important that they're a matching set? I don't think it set? is, but he just thought that was interesting. He's like, there are some minor differences between them. Like so, what? I don't know. What could I it possibly I, be? It's like the actual internal passages, I think, are slightly routed differently or something. No. I don't know. I didn't go into details. Well, that's still but interesting. But he's like, yes, these are not, these didn't come together on the car. Hmm. So that was the first thing. But he found what is my primary issue. We assumed it was just air leaks through the throttle shaft bushings. Right. Which he is re replacing and boring right. out and doing all his Now, when you have a carburetor, you stuff. have a... You have a steel rod that goes Correct. all the way through the carburetor, and you have three throats on the carburetor. Well, on the 911, not on Well, on, on your specifically. Well, however many butterflies you have. And right. each, uh, well, these are like uh, IDFs or side drafts, and you will have a, a shaft that goes through the carburetor. And both screwed to those shafts are the butterflies, right? which is basically your throttle plate. Correct. And as you rotate on that, you yank on a fulcrum, ah, which is I like a pivot arm, so and it rotates. It yes. will rub against the bushings. Right, because you're pulling down wear, over and over again. You're, and then you have a little air leaks Right, because it's, it's, a, it's a bearing. You call it a bushing, but, you know, it's kind of like a bearing, too. It's just a brass bushing bearing because that's what the, the steel rod I, rotates I on. I know technically it is a bearing, but I always think of bearings as having either ball bearings or needle bearings. Well, I it, think of it as a bushing. Sure, I, I don't I know what the exact be, engineering distinction is there. I think when I think of Bushing, I guess it's either one. Oh, you're thinking rubber bushings, suspension yeah. bushings. Yeah, but then again, it's a brass so, something does rotate on there as well. Right. Anyway, when you're pulling down on that, that's a lot of friction. There's no lubrication there. Yeah, there it's really is It's just steel on brass. Right. Over time, it ovals it out. And right. when you oval it out, because that that steel shaft goes through the entire carburetor yeah. into where the butterfly is, right. that becomes an air leak right through the shaft into where the butterfly Unmetered uh, is. Unmetered air right. is bad but yes, because that's it's on the opposite even. side it's on the opposite side of the of the butterfly right it's on the engine side so you get air on the opposite side it's unmetered it, it doesn't go through the venturi it's on the other side so it, it's adding air it's leaning out either way it's bad yes it's uncontrolled yes um but that's not even the big issue you're uncontrolled <laughs> anyways the biggest issue is he texted me yesterday he goes have you screwed around with the uh air corrector the main jet air corrector jets I was like, no, what are those? I, I've only changed the idle air corrector, the idle jet, and the main jet are the only things that you're actually from the factory able to change out and swap out. Okay. He's like, no, these are basically just openings in the top of the carburetors that lets air in yep. for the main circuit. Right. He goes, someone drilled the heck out of these. Oh, no. They're more than double the factory size. Well, we do know that your car was extensively raced. Right. So somebody might have... But here's what's interesting is I've rebuilt these carbs and gone over it, but I never would have known yeah, that. Yeah, why would it you measure that? It doesn't look like they're, you know, drilled. You don't see drilled marks, mm -hmm. but he just happened because he's he's good, and that's why we sent our carburetors to him. He meticulously measured it, and he's like, yeah, these are like 160s. They should be like 100. Wow. If okay, not so less. what do you have to do? So he's drilling them out, tapping the carburetor housings, and getting aftermarket jets that are made for this that are the correct size. So it's like an air corrector jet type yes, of thing? Yes, exactly. Okay. Which there is one from the factory on the idle circuit, but this is on the main circuit. Explain to me what the problem you were having is. Uh, it what is, is this What is this going to solve? What problem is this going to solve? Well, I won't be as lean in the transition. Okay. And that was the issue. Speaking of lean in the transition. 
I fixed my carburetor too. Right. Basically, all Same of our lean thing. spots are going to be gone. So the, that's the hardest part of a carburetor to tune is that lean spot because you have... Think you have, of like two individual mechanisms. Like you have your idle situation and you have your main jet situation. You can tune both those individually. Very but easy. it's the crossover between yeah. is where it's very hard to, to get that all It's set. called the progression circuit. Correct. It's when you're, you're on your way. from idle to main yeah, jet. Yeah, it's that partial throttle and, the, and it changes the vacuum speed drawing through the carburetor very uh, suddenly. Right, it changes very suddenly, and if there's nothing there to adapt to draw more fuel in, it just goes lean and everything goes to shit. Mine was because the one of the uh, throttle plates on one of the carburetors was not closing all the way. Oh, interesting. So it was it was what? partially. Why didn't it close? There's a throttle stop. Because I didn't have I don't I don't really like how hard it was to push down the gas pedal. Oh, you did tell me this. So I took the the return springs off. <laughs> just get lighter springs. No, they need to be there. Why? Because otherwise... Well, obviously they don't since you took one off. They they do need to be there. That's yes. why I put them back on and now my problem is fixed. I know, but you could get lighter tension springs. No, I can't because then it will not close all the way. It needs to have... No, a, it's just because you had it on one side and not the other. No, I had none. So I... You I've, didn't have any springs? Well, it's what I, whatever's on the shaft. There's yeah, like that springs. doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's not great. So, <laughs> so I... <laughs> I've got, so you're telling me the way the carburetors were designed to work makes them actually work correctly. That is that is 100% accurate. Cool. Yes. Okay. I, I had no idea that that could be what it is, but it is because the, the throttle plate was in the middle of the progression circuit, and then I was so I was tuning it based on that. So then when you actually went into the progression circuit, there was no enrichment whatsoever, and people's eyes are just glazing over I'm right realizing now. that. That's yeah. why I'm going to move on. All right, let's, right keep going. let's talk less about carburetors um, and more about uh, CarMax and Shopco. So uh, last week I mentioned that I was taking the Cayenne around before I list it private party because that you have to deal with people. I sent, I brought it to the dealer, and they gave me a quote that was terrible, and I was like, someone told me to check out CarMax because yep. supposedly they will give you like private party value on a vehicle. And so I go over there and first of all, have you ever been to a CarMax? They no. are terrible. No. Well, wait, they wait, wait. are. Hold on, hold on. What? Let's be, why? Why are they terrible? I've heard people that love it because you just go in there and they'll, for like 900 bucks they'll sh or $450 or whatever, they'll ship a car anywhere in the country to, that there is to pick cool. it up. I mean, there's. I have heard that. But it is like just the atmosphere and Costco's, or Costco. CarMax is like the Costco of used car dealerships. They are massive, right? Right. So there's all these people that aren't well trained and don't know the cars at all. To the point where when I went in to get the car, my Cayenne appraised, I assumed they were like, oh, we'll have some manager come out, take a look, test drive it. No, all these guys just take a bunch of photos and record them driving it around the parking lot and then they email it all to corporate headquarters and they just do all the bean counting and punch in a value. And it was not a, not a happy it was value. Like 65% of what I paid. Wow. Well, let's and be I fair. Let's, let's, let's be fair. You did buy a luxury vehicle, and those are the number one highest depreciating cars. Yeah, it was already five, six years old when I bought it. I know, and it's but only that's two just, months later. So, so, you, it's, so you overpaid. Now is I that possible? I looked at the market. This is basically what, what they what were going for. What is the blue for. book when you go to trade in? What does it say the blue book trade in value is? A little bit less than I paid. A little bit less than you paid or kind of like 65, 70% of what you paid? No, no, it is not that low. Okay. Like these guys like got something wrong. Dude, like just was the VIN wrong that they put punched on, in? Put it on Facebook Marketplace or put yeah. it on Cars and Bids. I, or I have just, it on AutoTrader, but I haven't taken any photos of it. I just have like dumb iPhone photos. So you're... So I'm delete going that. to... Yeah, I'm going to go... I don't need to delete the yes, listing. Yes, you do, because everybody that was is interested in one of those has already gotten the email that a new one was posted. They already looked at your ad. So you need to delete it and start I've over with I've never it. had email, I guess, notifications, but that's a good point. Yeah, you need to just start a new one. Okay. Well, anyways, I need to take some photos of it in the next day or two and actually list it properly. Yeah, so, so I'm going to be doing We took that. apart your transmission the other day, too. Transmissions are complicated, it turns out. They are. They and are. this is actually a very simple transmission, I think. Didn't we do, like, way back in the day, we did an episode we did on a the history, history of the crash box. That's what we called it. Yeah, the and crash box. And we went box. into the history of synchronizer gears and yeah. everything else. And there's, there's a lot going on on the transmission. And I have it all torn down. What's wrong with yours now that you've looked? Well, first of all, we knew that first gear synchro was gone. And with that, the synchronizing whole process is not just a synchro. It is the synchro band, mm -hmm. which basically runs and speeds up the adjacent gear. But it also has a dog teeth ring and a slider ring that all the... need to be replaced. So why is it called a dog teeth 
ring, dogtooth ring. I don't know for sure, but it has pointy little teeth on the gear. Should be called puppy teeth ring then. Yeah, because they're small and sharp. Yeah, they're exactly. small and sharp, just yeah, like yeah. puppy teeth. Yeah, the pup. So we'll call it the puppy teeth ring. Yep. And so all of that ring, needs yeah. to be replaced, which I figured. I knew that, and I wanted to potentially swap out. Well, we didn't know what our gears were going to be in there. Yeah, they're, they're because normal. Because we thought it was going to be some hot rod transmission because it revs so high. Apparently, that's just normal. No. Nope. So it is a desirable transmission, though. Stock ring and pinion, stock gear sets, but I do still want to change out fifth gear. So the question is, and as we looked at it, there might be some other wear that I don't know enough to basically there diagnose. There was some visual rounding off of some of the gears. Right. You could see that it was, they were very shiny, very yes. rounded off. And there was like, you could feel it with your fingernail. There's like a little bit of like On a, the actual drive gear itself, you're saying? No, just the gear. Remember, it had like a little bit of a lip, like a little bit of a... But you're talking the dog teeth rings. Uh, I'm just talking the gears. We were These at, are all gears I'm referring to. Yeah. Well, what, what what are we talking about here? I'm just saying. I don't know. Your, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm just saying some of your gears are worn. That's all I'm saying is you could see visually that right. there was so some So I'm going to have to off. replace some things. I'm just curious what you were referring to. I think you should it. just give the transmission to somebody and have them rebuild the transmission. I don't understand. It's been a week. Almost a week. Why isn't somebody rebuilding your transmission right now? I don't understand. Because it's waiting for this the is tools some, that our friend sent in the mail for me to rebuild it. This is a giant scam so you don't have to take it on the rally. Mm, but then what am I going to take? <laughs> I don't know. You're probably going to take some comfortable SUV so that your bride no, doesn't complain. No, I want to take this on the rally, but we're working on it. We're going right. to get all dialed in. So, Here, so what did we do this week, Chris? I, and we can't talk about, so we did a film yes. of, of going to pick up the two cars. Right. And we're putting together the film now. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yes. I'm not going to reveal what Jake's car was that, that he ended up getting. Right. Because I think it's going to be great to reveal it in the film. But everybody knows that I got a 1973 Ford Pinto Squire wagon. Or yes. what a Ford Pinto wagon Squire. It's just the Squire. There's no wagon on the name. You know because what that's what the Squire. Do you know what Squire means? Yeah, well, you refer to it as like the Game of Thrones squire, where it's like the guy that. Because the, that's the only reference I know of a squire. I don't squires read back old in the day, in the, in the old times where people got bubonic plague and died, they had squires and they had shields. Uh-huh. Like a knight would have a shield. It's okay. basically your knight valet. Right, he brings <laughs> he brings all your crap to the battlefield for yes. you. Yeah. So I assume so he you're not exhausted by the time you get to the place where you're yeah. going to sword fight. He schleps all your stuff on. A lot of squires would end up becoming knights. It's kind of like a training thing. Sure. So I I feel like this is it's, my my car is maybe going to evolve into a better car. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that a possibility? The squire I'm realizing was the intern of the knight. That's right. right. He so was my, the knight's intern, and which makes a lot of sense because my car was probably most likely driven by interns. <laughs> <laughs> the Ford Pinto. No, I think Squire just references the idea that you can like haul more stuff in it, right? So this is what the Squire yeah. would drive to well, get to the, the co- battlefield. You had like the country for, Squire for the too. night, which yeah, it's which all is like a much stuff. bigger, much bigger right. vehicle than than mine is, and you, with the, it also had wood grain on it. Yeah. Like that. Do you think it was the Squire for the Mustang? Like the Mustang was like that was the hey, night, and I don't know. From my experience yesterday, Mustang drivers do not like Squire no, or Pinto drivers. No. Which I didn't know, but I, I no. guess it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, Pintos are dumb com- oh, to the Mustang yeah. guys. Oh, Pintos are dumb to everyone. The only reason this car is cool is because it's ironically cool. No, this car That's is... That's what I realized with the other vehicle as well. My car is ironically cool, but it is also cool. Because I think... We did an episode on the greatest automotive catastrophe scandals of all time. And we talked about what happened with the Pinto. And everybody right. knows that they basically... They blow up. They blow up. But... So then they were basically construed as the worst car of all time. Right. right? The Mother Jones, which was a media entity back then, hyped it up. They got a hold of the tail of this thing, and they saw it was, from, from what I can figure, it's one of the first cases of media malfeasance in terms of seizing on an opportunity and milking it for money. Because if you look back in hindsight... I would call that sensationalism, not maleficence. Uh, sure. I don't really understand that difference in this case because I think both are bad. Okay. I think both are bad things. Because if you look at like the the Datsun 510 and the and the Toyotas and the the Beetle, way more deaths in those vehicles sure. than the Pinto. Interesting. And it, so it was seized on by Mother Jones and they just sensationalized the hell <laughs> out was, of it. It was certainly less cinematic because when you see the crash test yeah. of a Pinto, it's just yeah. ball of fire. Well, that's what it's all about, right? It's all about visual stress and, oh my God, it's the end of the world. Right. It's the same thing when you think you turn on the nightly news, it's not firemen pulling cats out of trees. 
right? It's it's the firemen dragging burning bodies out of buildings. That may not be what people want to see, but it, it hits that cortisol in your brain or something and makes your makes you stressed I out. I would and, much rather see the kitties in the tree, actually. You would much rather see it. You would think that you would want to see it, yeah. but you wouldn't tune in. If you knew every night there was going to be... I think a lot of people would tune in if they knew it was like, and today's our nightly segment of cats they would getting not. rescued. Psychologically, Have you seen YouTube? Half of it is cats. Yes, but... I rest my point. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's a, a, that is a On very good point. On that note... I'm just talking about the news Pinto. in general. I'm yes. just talking about news. So anyway, I think that's kind of what happened. And you look back and it's not quite as overblown as it is. So then I was thinking, is it really the worst car of all time? Because it's widely referred to as that. Also, Yugo is also one of the worst cars of all so, time. So yeah, now you've owned both of them. I've owned both. <laughs> I've, I've owned both. And I can tell you that the um, the Pinto is a much better car than a Yugo. Sure. It is it's just a lot more comfortable. It drives you drive 70, 75 miles okay. I mean you get much more than that. Really? It, yeah, well, I think it's the tires. The tires <laughs> don't even have a date code on them. Really? Which means they're at least twenty years old. Okay. At least. So twenty years plus on the tires. Nice. They're not great, which is probably why they howl like crazy anytime you do anything. You turn like a little bit, it's like <laughs> Which we did. Which we certainly did, which you'll find out more about in the film. So anyway, I don't think this is the worst car of all time. I want to spend a little bit. I don't bit. think it's cool, though. The majority of people all will not see that's cool. All you said all week was, I wish I had that yeah, one. Yeah, because compared to the other car, that is damn cool. It is cool, period. It is 100% cool. It goes on the cool wall 100%. It's gold. It's got wood grain. It's a... Uh, it's a shooting brake. It's it's everything. It's a two-door wagon. Uh-huh. What else is it other than a shooting brake? I think it needs to be European to be considered a, a shooting brake. I don't think so. I think that the Fox the Fox Sport Wagon or whatever it was, also like the Volkswagen Fox Wagon. Oh, yeah. Also two-door shooting brake. Well, that's European. So well, that's the definition? I'm just saying four, shooting brake is definitely so a, a European car term. Four-cylinder Volkswagen what do you mean it's a European term? Who cares? So uh, if whoever invented the van is the only one that is allowed to call their vans a van? No, that's used around the world. There's Japanese vans. There's European vans. Well, there's, there's, they, there's European shooting brakes. There's American shooting brakes. I'm Clearly, just saying no one would call that car a shooting brake. It is a shooting brake. Okay. The, so the only On objection. technicality. It's that's what definitions are, technicalities. <laughs> you choose the parameters for something, and then you apply the term to those parameters. Two-door, wagon, long roof, uh-huh. shooting brake. Uh-huh. That's, I would love to get emails. Just, if, you, if you asked an Italian guy, is this a shooting brake? He goes, yeah, this might be, I don't know why he's Russian, with my, but it might be a shooting brake. If you ask some American guy from the 70s, is this a shooting brake? He goes, a what? Just because he wouldn't understand the term, it's also a wagon. It can be more than one thing at the same time. I know. I'm just saying the nomenclature doesn't fit the vehicle. Yes, it does. It is a shooting brake. Um, one thing that's interesting about it is how little there is in this car. Just it's like really simplicity. Very simple. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about the engine. We can talk about that if you want to. I mean, that but was just that was the time. You get in the car. You sit, you get in. Um, fuel. The only two gauges that yeah. actually move. Are fuel? What you say move? Like needles. They have needles. That are move. there other gauges that don't move? Well, there's other instrumentation. Like what? I'm just saying. When you have a car, normally you have like water temperature, oil pressure, tachometer, right. speedometer. Fuel. I just want to know about these gauges that don't move now. <laughs> so we have a speedometer which moves, and we have a uh, I would consider a an, a an idiot light a gauge. It's telling you something. And then you have well, indicator. no, I guess not. A it's an prob- indicator. Yeah, a gauge kind of has to has to have a breadth of information, exactly. right? So I have a fuel gauge, right? And I have a speedometer, right? That's it in yes. terms of gauges. Yes. I have um, a light that Odometer just... Odometer is a gauge. Yes, I would agree. It works. Um, 53,000 miles. I have a light that says engine, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that means. <laughs> 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 the engine's there. <laughs> it is not there. Yeah, you're right, because there's no electronics on the engine. Like, what does it mean? <laughs> I'm guessing it might be temperature. Yeah, but then it would say temp. Yeah, or maybe it's temp and oil pressure. Either one, you want to stop driving. Sure, but think of anything Wouldn't that would they have individual like <laughs> sensors for that. Just think of all the different lights that you could have, or and all they the, just put them all into one. Just boiled it all down <laughs> in one. Because all of them, anything that would make your an engine like temperature, oil pressure, oil temperature, any of that stuff that goes off, yeah, stop driving. Sure. So just boil it all down in one engine. 
<laughs> so there's engine, there's brake. Uh huh. So it's uh, this thing definitely doesn't have brake pad sensors. So right. I'm guessing it's there's just fluid level. Fluid level. And then there's another one that I don't remember. Battery? Alternator. Yeah. It says alternator. It doesn't it say. It actually says alternator. It says alternator, which is what it should say. You're right. It should 100% say alternator. Yeah. Having it say battery is dumb because it's not, so not check your battery. And I think. You actually, ever, it should say just voltage. Because then it could say over voltage, low voltage, whatever. Here's which the thing. Which is why there's voltage which, gauges. This is always very, very interesting. Whenever What's you're that? driving around. Yeah. And you're, you see like a car pulled up next to another car uh-huh. somewhere and it's like on the freeway uh-huh. and they're pulled nose to nose and the guy's got jumper cables. I'm every single time I'm like, it's the alternator. Really? Yeah. hundred percent. It's always the alternator. Always. You're right. Because if you drove it to that point, right. it's not like your battery's dead and it can't start. Right. Cause it started, it got you there. Right. But then the alternator died and then no longer, and then the he ran on the battery until it was dead. The occurrence that wouldn't be that is if the battery is in fact dead, dead, but then but it, it would have charged enough by driving. How to did get you start there? to get there? You're okay. right. So you, the, the alternator failed at some point. You got it home, whatever. There's enough charge in the battery to start it up, drive somewhere. Right. And then it dies. And then what light comes on? The battery the light. The battery light. <laughs> right? So the battery light comes on, and you're like, oh, man, my battery. And then you call up your buddy. He comes over with jumper cables, jump starts your car. And then as soon as he takes the jumper cables off, the thing dies immediately, right? <laughs> this is this is I, this has happened to me. Unless you have a magneto ignition like the Harley does. Yes, but nobody does. Nobody has that. You're so right. it's dead, right? Your car's dead. Anyway, that's it seems like it should say alternator because if that happened and the alternator light would come on for people, I bet there would be a lot less individuals that would be calling up their buddy, Hey man, my battery's dead. I'm on the side of the freeway. Come <laughs> jump me. And then the guy gets all the has to jump to, jump start. That never like, has occurred to me. Yeah. That makes it's like six sense. or seven times you have to jump start the guy just to get home. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. Anyway, Pinto I uh, ordered Okay, I'll tell you the things that I ordered for this car. What? And you can guess how much it costs. Let's pretend <laughs> just for a moment that we're talking about my 911. Okay. okay. Um, other than these two items. Wow. Upper and lower radiator hose. Yeah, don't have those on the 911. Water pump. Uh-huh. Thermostat. Uh, V-belt. Timing belt. Motor mounts. Coil. Voltage regulator. Oh. Alternator. Um, points. A set of points. Two sets of points. Uh, spark plugs. Wires. Cap. Rotor. And there's probably a few other things that I'm forgetting, but I ordered all of these things overnighted to my house. Oof, what okay. did you think? I'm- so the full like water pump timing belt kit is at least 150. Oh, and a fuel pump. Okay, fuel pump add at least 30 bucks. And then you had all the electronics, carburetor which is at rebuild least kit. another 200 bucks. And then carburetor rebuild, eh, 40 bucks. So I don't know. We're at like at least 400 bucks. 275 overnighted to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so am I just am I completely if I lost perspective because of this 911 is this what it's like for most old cars like American cars uh, is it just this I cheap bet all like the a time? Chevy yeah like C- C10 totally yes it's unbelievable but awesome. I had a theory about this so, particular car. Okay. So my theory was it's all supply and demand. So at one point they sold a ton of Pintos. Like a million. Which yeah. means that Ford Motor Company and Autolite, or no, uh, what it's not Autolite. What is their parts Motor division? Motorcraft. Motorcraft. Yeah. Probably developed a whole bunch of spares that they sat in these warehouses for maintenance, None right? Of the parts are Motorcraft, though. They're all standard motor company is the name of the company, which I had not heard well, of. Well, then Standard Motor Company also built all these parts for, you know, spares. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, how many Pintos do you see on the road? This is probably the first Pinto that I've actually realized I've seen in the last 10 years. So there's none yeah. of them out there. No one's buying parts for them. So there, I think it's this huge and it's, supply and backlog it's of possible. parts. It's possible. So they're possible. just like, offload them. Once, what, price them at once they're gone, a they're cent gone. on the dollar. The thermostat was 88 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, yes, man. Right, so that the timing I think belt confirms was nine dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, there's no way it actually costs that much. They're just trying to offload it. It's possible, but I also have another theory other than than that is, uh, and I think this will happen with a lot of parts. Is there's a lot of surplus now because of see if you can guess why there's a lot of parts surplus for most older cars. I, I don't know cash for clunkers. Oh, mm-hmm. I really well, think. Yeah. So that again, supply and demand, supply they just and got demand. rid of the demand. They just crushed all these cars and now they have a ton of parts left over. But once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, that's going to be obviously I think stuff like V belts, timing belts are going to be easy because it's just a size thing. Sure. There's a lot of varying sizes for different things. Yep. But stuff like the voltage regulator for this car 
or some of that might be also be used across other you know it does look a lot like the voltage regulator from my vespa it's very similar like <laughs> in, in shape and everything I, I'm like sure that. a lot of those are interchangeable do you think that and uh we're going to talk about this later a little bit but do you think that people are going to want to drive cars like this as time goes on do you think people are going to go yeah i don't want people tracking where i'm going i don't want to have to deal with charging i don't I want to have to mean. deal do you think there's yes, going to be there will be a resurgence do you think that's what's think, happening uh what, what not yet what's not accounting yet. for all the huge increase in vintage cars like pre-93 cars are just through the roof do you think there is a huge surge or we're just seeing that well, the prices are sure way up there. Sure. You know, True. there was a Pinto, like a 74 Pinto, <laughs> like said, uh, said coupe. They're all coupes. They have, dude, they made one that looked like a van. It looked like my wagon, but it was hard bodied on the side oh. with a porthole window. And they called it the rally. <laughs> yeah. See, that's yeah. right up your alley. That thing was cool. It looked like an American version of that Lotus that kind of has yeah, the, the Europa. The Europa looked just like Except that. It didn't have an engine back there. It just had space. Yeah, just much more practical, yeah, actually. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is going to kind of take over as a thing where this stuff becomes more and more. The problem is parts are going to become hard to find because yeah. it's not going to become, it's not going to stay profitable. Like I just looked up this standard motor company or whatever. They're like a, uh, they employ 4,400 people and generate over a billion dollars in net sales in more than 25 facilities around, who, who cares, in, uh, in Kansas, they're, they're located. Sure. So they make a ton of this stuff, but there's no way that they're still churning out Pinto parts. No way. No chance. No. They're not even churning out Ranger parts. Ranger, the motor that's in my car also ended up in the Ranger as time went on. Really? Yeah, it's really went on for a while. I guess you can, everybody's like, turbo the thing. You can turbo it. Yeah. I, I have seen that. The thing had the same rods for like 20 years. They didn't change anything, and they that, just started yeah. turboing and oh, then doing all this stuff. That's also the engine that's used in Formula Fords, right? It is. It okay. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That so makes there's, sense. There's actually a lot of performance potential for oh, this I motor. Oh, I believe it. I'm going you could to do side drafts and headers doing... and cams. and. Interestingly well, enough, cam. normally, yeah, cam. Normally, I would pull everything. Oh, I found it on the, on the air cleaner. It says 2002 2V. What okay. do you think the 2V stands for? So I, was it changed in the year 2002? No, 2000 CC, 2V oh, on the air cleaner. Oh, I, I, this is a factory sticker. Yeah, factory Wait, oh, sticker, so 2002 V. two valve. No, it's two Venturis. Oh, it's a two barrel that carburetor. makes more sense. Because why would you advertise that is the like lowest possible amount of valves <laughs> exactly. to operate? The industry standard. Well, it hasn't intake and it has an exhaust valve. Guess what? We've got both. <laughs> well, what else are you supposed to say? Two Venturi. Okay, two so it's Venturi. a two-barrel car. It is a two-barrel. It's a 26-millimeter and 27-millimeter. Apparently, it's a ripoff of the Weber 30... DG. Yeah, the, uh, the 32, 33, or 36, 37. Two I don't DGV, know what the, yes. I don't know what the numbers are. Yeah. But problem is, is I can't touch anything. I really have to try and keep this thing as original as possible. Oh, I see what you mean. Sure. You know, I can't be changing out the carburetor, especially because I know myself. Okay, well, then why did you ask if you should lower it? I kind of want to. Well, that, you you just said I you can't. can't touch it. I can't. I can't. Nope, I can't you can't. Lower it. I can't. It's, it's a bummer. Anyway, take Better when lowered? Nope. It, oh, it would be. <laughs> There's no question about it. 100% better. You know, the only tires available for this thing are for trailers. Yeah, I, I ran into that too with that MG I had. Trailer tires. tires. I ended up finding Impossible. someplace called Simple Tire had yeah. something called the Mile Star, which. Ooh, the Mile Star. I mean, that thing is ultimate chinesium. <laughs> or, or chubber would it be chubber chubber it's made Chinese out of rubber Chinese rubber Chinese. chubber yeah, okay. that's what when you go into harbor freight it smells like chubber big oh, time you're right yeah yeah let's that is a smell yeah northern tool smells like chubber <laughs> no harbor freight not no. northern northern tool also smells like chubber to me so? yeah that's it's, a little higher brow so that's, what do we have we have like uh we have chubber do we have like chinese steel can we just say that's chill can we can we just start some of these are going to turn into like racial slurs yeah, by we should probably stop right now <laughs> should probably stop immediately so anyway we're gonna get this thing all dialed in i leave for utah next week and i shifted my trip a couple days out okay so i can get, get the tires tired. sorted out yes. and everything like that and get the uh dave carburetor dave is rebuilding the carburetor in it yep and the thing's gonna be dialed it's gonna be mint do the carb you know this thing ran rough yeah the carburetor nuts were finger tight <laughs> No potential about, for air leaks there. Yeah, talk about no. unmetered air. Yeah. So hopefully the thing will run better with a fully 
I mean, do these things sit? You have a carburetor that sits. Oh, I'm sure the bottom of the float bowl is just like varnish. Yeah, and just some sludge. of the vlogging we were doing, I'm sure, agitated <laughs> some things in the tank. Yes. And the, the fuel filter looks like a CO2 cartridge for like a paintball gun. It's the smallest fuel filter have, ever. That is so, it's like the same diameter as the fuel hose. I don't understand, but that's factory. Really? Yeah, so I got to buy a couple of those. I got, <laughs> I'm taking a Tupperware bin full of parts. It's not a bad idea. All right. What else have we got going on? Well, we need to mention our Overclest, Overcrest, Overcrest Drivers Club members. Head over to overcrestproductions.com slash drivers club or patreon.com slash overcrest. You guys know both. And for as little as $5 a month, you too can become a member and support the show. We have new t-shirts that are going out. We eventually exclusive here's the content. Deal. Here's the deal. We got the new t-shirt stuff in the mail. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to find a way that I can just do it at home. It's just, it's with the complexity I, of the design, it's just not possible. I thought we talked oh, yeah, we about an option. Out, yeah, 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 we got an option. We got to figure out. I just got to get my refund back from that place. Because it was like, you know. Can't five, use the same place for the option we talked about? Yeah, but it was like $500. So we're going to get the refund back. Anyway, not your guys' problem. <laughs> we can talk about this some other time. We're going to get it dialed in. We're yes, going to get it dialed absolutely. In. So you have exclusive content. You have access to our Discord, which I am not a pro user at, as we know. Chris is on level eight, whatever that Damn means. It's like the old forum or the old chat room from the 90s. It's great. All, All the these drivers guys are, members are there. They're chatting. We're having Actually, a good time. Actually, we're live streaming right now, too. So you can watch right the action you can in be watching real us. time. Um, also, you can get access to... You can see Jake with his shoes off as we do the podcast. A shoes? I'm sorry. Birkenstocks Thank off yes. as we do the podcast. See, it's well, that's what's great about these. Do you think that it's poor form to wear sandals on the plane? Not at all. It's you, comfy it every is, time. It is poor form. No, it's not. Why is it poor form? Because your bare feet are in the open. Nobody likes so stinky, what? nasty feet. My feet are perfectly clean. Do you take the Birkenstocks off? You know off what? My feet are probably less this is stinky important. than yours because I have ventilation. Yeah, but I have mine are hermetically sealed in my shoes. So nobody <laughs> has to deal with the problem. The question is, yeah. do you remove your Birkenstocks at any time on the plane? Do you slide your feet out of those I don't think at I any did. time no. to have bare feet at I did any not. point? Even on an international flight. I'm do, sure I do at that point. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Absolutely. <laughs> if disgusting. that's the worst thing I do, then I'm doing okay. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's pretty that's that's offensive <laughs> to everybody. All right, let's move on to some news. So this Chris, thing is this thing is so cool. So and I almost hate to say it. Yeah, the the Morgan plus four is what we're talking about. And this model's been around since 1950. The Morgan. And the plus four. No kidding? Yes. This is a thing? Yes. I did not know that. I thought this, this was some new... Well, it's a new... Let me just... Okay, let me finish. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Quit getting excited. So the Plus 4 no. has been around since 1950, and like all Morgan models, basically looks identical to when it rolled off the factory in 1950. They all have that really cool vintage look. That's not to say it hasn't been updated, though. So the 2002... 2002? No. 2022 Morgan Plus 4 shares only 3% of its parts with previous version. It's... 3%? Yes. That's what, what 3%? This was this marketing speak. I don't know. Probably the front, front fenders. Because yeah. it all looks the same, but it is all new. It has a new uh, two-liter twin-charged four-cylinder from BMW. What is that out of? I BM wonder. Uh, probably a European model yeah. BMW. Um, can get it either with a manual or an automatic. And Chris will no doubt be delighted by the hyper-modern-looking LED headlights. I would backdate the hell out of those somehow. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you could. It looks terrible. It looks bad. Yeah. It the whole car looks vintage and kind of cool and rugged yep. antique. Like it can yep. really it looks gnarly. Yeah. Right. And then you have these LED headlights that, that are like horizontal slits in a round housing too. They Did look you see like that? You, you know those little things you get at Menards where you can put them in your closet and like double sided sticky take them to the wall. <laughs> yeah. And then you walk in the and they turn on yeah, and you yeah. can you can see your pornography collection on the shelves. That's what you're doing. This looks like that. The guy that ha that designed these headlights has that motion sensor light for his porn in his closet guaranteed <laughs> so while the frame of the car has been changed to aluminum from its previous steel construction i do love the fact that the body panels are still actually attached to wooden fixtures in the car you think that there's still ash <laughs> wood like there was from the 1930s coach building you think porsche is stubborn with keeping the engine in the back oh you look think at that these guys you think that's weird technology no having wood in your vehicle <laughs> now that now that is stubborn yes. so while the news of an updated morgan plus four is interesting enough 
It's Morgan's new CXT rally version of the car that's really worthy of our attention. So the CXT is a factory prepped safari style car. Safari everything. Just safari all the safari. things. It, I, you know, I'm... I'm kind of just like tired of the safari thing, but for some reason, this thing being I'll, like I'll the- I'll tell you why. So, okay. okay, first of all, what is it? It has an external roll cage, lifted suspension, electronically controlled limited slip differential, new coilovers that are sourced from Rally Raid UK, which Question. is the supplier of the Dakar Rally cars. Why are the, the, the tires seem really close to the fenders? Like there's not a lot of ground clearance. It doesn't look lifted. You know what I mean? It's it, still, it is lifted nine I know, inches. I know, but it doesn't look it. Maybe they- they, if, they're much bigger tires. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, these are much bigger tires. Uh, the car looks absolutely bonkers because it has this old world coach built bodywork, but then it has this off road tech and capabilities yeah. that you don't expect a safari car to be built on an old 1930s looking sports car. It's awesome. So we can uh, afford one or no? Well, <laughs> the CXT costs double the price of a standard plus four. And comes out to about $240,000. That's wow. in U.S. dollars. But that doesn't matter anyways, since the Plus 4 isn't able to be sold in the U.S. Thanks to U.S. crash standards. We suck. They don't like the wood. It probably splinters. Well, it's not probably not because it catches on fire, because we know another manufacturer has a lot of trouble with uh, that. So it probably doesn't true. have anything to do with... Do you, want, do you like Land Cruisers? I do. So I had to do a lot of research, because I don't really know fuck all about what... Land Cruisers. I just, sure. I've always thought they were cool. Yeah. Um, there's a Toyota Land Cruiser 70th anniversary edition coming out. Okay. Which is kind of cool that it's been going on for 70 years. And they have the, they have like a 70 series, 80 series, 100 series, 200 series. Okay. The one that's out now is the 200 series. And this is the J70. So this anniversary edition is based on the 70 series, which is 1984 till yep. now. I can they picture it. They still make Wait, this. Wait, they do? They still make it. That's what but they I, don't sell it here. They've never sold the J70 here. We oh. we got the Forerunner, so, okay, which is nowhere near as cool. I get it now. As the J70s, the, okay. The J70 is like running around Sahara Africa, yeah. You know, super utilitarian. Um, there's a uh, a two door troop carrier, which is like just a truck, like a Comanche. <laughs> That's almost awesome. like a Comanche. Yeah. Then you've got the traditional SUV, yep. which is looks kind of like a Forerunner but more boxy, right? Yep. These things look a lot more boxy. And then you have a chassis cab, which looks like a Jeep Gladiator. Oh, right? sure. And I think that was that what they were driving in the when the the South African dudes were running away from being carjacked in the armored truck. I think it was a chassis cab. Uh, oh, it could have been. J7. You're talking a previous news story. Yes. With it. Um, I was but, like, what are you what are you talking about? When so did we see this? You can import these, obviously, with the 20 year rule or whatever, sure. 25 year rule. How many years is it? Is it 20 or 25? 25. 25. Vintage Americanized imported models are around the twenty thousand dollar range, plus or minus five grand, depending. Okay. So they're reasonable but i'm gonna guess if you lived in south africa or greece or they're dirt they've got to be like four dollars yes is, is my guess and everyone you see that sold is they probably import it and then they just roll it through the four-wheel drive catalog and then put it right up on the ad and that's what they look like and they look awesome uh so the 70th anniversary is the beginning of a remarkable journey uh some uh, marketing speak there this is a uh, bittersweet for land cruiser fans in the united states though because not a single iteration of this has ever been here and after 2021, the Land Cruiser is being killed permanently. Well, not permanently, but we we, we we have no future sight of when there will be a Land Cruiser. So the 200 series is what we have now, done. Yeah. So no so Land Cruiser. You can say that simply by saying they're not making it anymore. Yeah, that's true. However, I think that they're probably going to make them in like five or six years. I think the problem here is that the current Land Cruiser, the 200 series, is based off of like a 2008 chassis. Sure. So that's... 13 years old that's super old so the the word on the street is that we're going to see another uh another one in like six years maybe which means it's going to be an ev land cruiser yep which is or maybe a hybrid so toyota know. actually i did read another article that we didn't include here that toyota is developing a new hybrid drivetrain based on diesel so i would love to see a diesel hybrid in that as we know toyota is not all in on ev no they were basically at the forefront of hybrid technology they were the first with the prius right i wonder if they're if they're like poising themselves for all the countries to go just kidding this doesn't work this doesn't work maybe oh, hybrids they would oh my just god just make a killing oh it would be crazy so this new anniversary edition thing is powered by a 4.4 liter turbo diesel v8 that has 200 horsepower and 317 pound feet of torque 
five-speed manual gearbox. Yes. They're going to sell 600 of them only in Australia, which is <laughs> a bit strange yeah. to me. And obviously, they don't sell it here because yeah. crash standards, right? Yeah, this exactly. thing is 1984, which is just... Should we move to Australia? My body, my choice. Right? I mean, <laughs> what are we doing here? My body, my choice. Yeah, but a lot of the crash standards are like pedestrian standards, so really... It's your body, your choice. Just don't watch before don't you cross walk. the street. Stop <laughs> texting and walking. Isn't that... Can we just pretty much tie it down to that? I don't know. So it's going to be $80,000 Australian, which is uh, $60,000 freedom, freedom dollars. So you can get a lot more truck Bald for... Bald Eagle bucks. Bald Eagle, Bald Eagle bucks. So... Uh, Next story, gas pumps are going to be getting warning labels. They already have warning labels. More warning labels. Okay, why? Not the ones that say don't leave your leave this your gas car unattended, unattended your yep. gas pump unattended. Which you have you done that? 100% oh, all yeah. the time. Have you ever had it go bad? No, I have not. I have. Really? Yeah. So it was the dead of winter, like 20 below here. And so you go out, you put it in, and you turn it on, and then you jump in the car again, right? Yes. And all of a sudden, I... I think I was dating Nikki at the time. So we're like sitting in the back seat talking and all of a sudden this guy out of my periphery runs across the lot and grabs the handle and unclicks it. And I get out and there's just a puddle under the whole car of oh, gasoline. No. So yeah, you should actually keep close attendance to your... What kind of car was this? A B5 Audi S4. That seems strange to have it happen in a more modern car like yes, that. Yes, it does. Mm. I don't know. I think it was so cold that the like click thing... So normally I find, so I see a source and then I go try and find a, a non-biased source if I can. Okay. But I wanted to just talk a little bit about where I found this. This is from treehugger.com. I see. Okay, so I just want to give you guys. Uh, so these, these are the biggest uh, enthusiast based. Yeah. This is a view. Guys. So I want you to move out of the Overton window of a regular person and move into the Overton window of a hardcore environmentalist. Overton, Overton window is basically a kind of like a philosophical term of. Everything that's acceptable is within this window. So if you're outside of the Overton window, you're kind of not accepted in society. So this is a different Overton window of the hardcore environmentalist writing this article. Okay. So Cambridge, Massachusetts became the first U.S. jurisdiction to introduce gas is bad labels warning drivers how fuel contributes to climate change. A new study from some place uh, that's probably pretty biased argues that adding labels to gas pumps warning about the links between driving conventional cars and carbon emissions will help people realize that gas represents risk <laughs> to prevent the worst impacts of climate change. Major economies need to decarbonize their transportation systems within the next decade. For that to happen, we need to make electric vehicles mainstream, ramp up public transportation and choose biking and walking over driving cars. Because if you have a family what you want to do is ride a bus, walk, or bike. I won't get into that, but I can't believe you, that why not? they... Yeah, you're right. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's really dumb. <laughs> but I can't believe that they think a sticker that says, like, who Let is filling up with gas and doesn't know this basic fact that, okay, you know, EVs are better for the environment in theory. So this is especially the case in the U.S. where transportation is the sector that generates the largest share of greenhouse gas emissions with 29%. Aside from wildfires and... Oh, that's not man-made. They probably don't count any of that type of stuff. Okay. These are cherry-picked stats in this. I mean, I, I didn't take the time because we didn't have time, but there's other factors that are... This is, like we always say, the automotive sector is the most glamorous. It's the easiest one to just go right after because everybody has a car. Be, it should not be easy on Everybody its likes progress. They like to see technology. They, li they like to be titillated with screens and doodads and farting and Netflix and all How this other stuff. Buy local. Don't ship things overseas. Yeah, that's everybody goes, oh, that's populist protectionism. We can't do that. Oh, are you being, you're racist against these other countries and you don't want to buy but their goods. Why and, not frame it in an environmental impact view? Because it's that not, makes sense. Well, Ask yourself that question, and then everybody can think to themselves what they think the answer is. You know, all you got to do, is, I always tell you this, is follow the money. Who benefits from X? So everybody can think about that on their own. We won't get too political on this topic. James Brooks, author and study and founder of the Hawaii-based organization, Think Beyond the Pump, tells Treehugger <laughs> these so-called warning labels could facilitate this transition because they will help build support for emissions-reducing policies. Again, regardless of whether you think this is good or not, I don't understand who they assume doesn't know this information already. 
Not that we don't need to put a warning label on an oil rig. That'd be great. I'd love to see someone do that. But by adding labels to gas pumps, consumers will be more aware of the climate change effects because they control emissions. So this guy wants to put warning labels on an oil rig too? Right. Jesus, but that again, would be who great. sees an oil rig and doesn't know that like, oh, this produces yeah, yeah, some leatherneck out carbon? there is going to just be like, oh my God. I never knew this. I was... need to quit my job and go like. <laughs> I never knew. I never knew, Chris. The idea with the labels is to create an intervention that will help close the knowledge gap because, in large part, transportation emissions will depend on consumers choosing lower carbon alternatives. Right, but I'm saying, so, okay, fine, great, but where is this knowledge gap they're talking about? He says that although most drivers should by now be aware their cars emit carbon dioxide, right. we Everyone found in does. research that it is a, that majority of people are underestimating the public health impacts from the combustion of fuels. Okay, but they're not citing any stats then either. They're just saying gas is bad. So if uh, they, they just contradict themselves. Our research found most people don't realize a little car trip down to pick up a pint of ice cream puts decades worth of warming effect into the atmosphere, if not longer. In the past, similar labels have been used to promote seatbelts and discourage people from smoking cigarettes. Mr. Naylor's here to see if we can't get cigarettes into the hands of somebody other than the usual Ravs. Ravs. Russians, Arabs, and villains. Oh, well, then, yes, I guess that is why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Brooks argues that now is the time to use labels and comprehensive social marketing campaigns to educate people about the link between gas and climate change. So the idea is to build a sense of individual responsibility to make drivers aware that since they are part of the problem, they can also be part of the solution. I am surprised they didn't go after in their example the ice cream because all the cows produce methane. That's true. And the production of it is bad. And also it's not good for your body. It's a lot well, of sugar. People do love their Ben and Jerry's. Oh yeah, I love ice cream. I mean, that's just how it is. I don't eat ice cream anymore. I completely cut it out. Well, that's too bad because I can get you free all you can eat ice cream i know you're a bad life you're a bad influence so uh there's a new infrastructure bill uh, that was passed is is proposed to be passed it hasn't been signed uh, by the president yet on sunday the senate released the final text of its infrastructure bill all 2702 pages which Oof. if you're wondering what it looks like jake i put a picture right below that's, i was wondering what that guy was carrying that's the that's the infrastructure bill holy crap <laughs> How do you read that? How does anyone read that? Estimate the height of that in inches. 14, 16 inches yeah, of, it's, of laser it's printer paper. over a foot of just printer paper. So buried in the measure is a pilot program for a national motor vehicle per mile user fee, MBUF, which is basically a long-term plan to make it too expensive to drive a car. One, so I went through and I read this. Well, okay, here's the thing. We I kind of figured this was coming because mm-hmm. generally they tax based on gas, right? right? And now they want gas to go away and everyone to drive electric vehicles. So obviously they need to fund the highways and everything else in right. theory some way else. But it also has- So the, a usage tax makes sense. But it also has the bonus of double taxing people that are driving a car because they're paying a gas tax and this user An fee. Elect- or a, a traditional internet. Yeah. So I'm basically care. okay with this type of thing if we get rid of the gas tax. Here's the other problem they're not I don't like. Do that. How are they tracking? Well, let's let's read That's on. my bigger let's issue. Let's read on. That's what this is all about. Let's read on. Let's read on. One of the so I read this bill. I read this. You section, read all two thousand seven hundred pages. Yeah, it took me forever. I no, was up I, all in night. all honesty, like if you're a lawmaker you or can't. someone, you can't read all this. Yeah, that's why I famously Nick Nancy Pelosi once said, "Well, you can find out what's in the bill after you sign it." You know, because there's no way wow. for anybody to read all this. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't. You can't possibly. And I read this section, which was like three or four pages, and kind of pulled out the meat. It's horrible to read. Oh, I believe you guys it. owe me big time because it <laughs> sucked. Um, so uh, blah, blah, blah. It's found on page 511 if you want to go find it yourself. Um, in general, the secretary, in coordination with the secretary of the treasury and consistent with the recommendations of the advisory board, shall establish a pilot program to demonstrate a national motor vehicle per mile user fee. Its objectives are to test design uh, to test the design acceptance, implementation, and financial sustainability of a motor vehicle per mile user fee. Stop me anytime you want questions or anything. To address the need for additional revenue for surface transportation infrastructure and a national motor vehicle per mile user fee. And C, to provide recommendations relating to the adoption and implementation of a national motor vehicle per mile user fee. I found it interesting that one of the things that they're testing is the acceptance of. 
Yeah, no, this uh, that all makes sense to test to me. the design acceptance of. Are people going to accept this? Right. Yeah, which is interesting. According to the bill, the government will seek out volunteers in all 50 states to test various tools for collecting the miles driven by both commercial and private vehicles, which include third-party onboard diagnostic devices that basically plug into your OBD2 port. Right. Smartphone applications. Tele- telemetric data collected by automakers. Okay. Motor vehicle data obtained by car insurance companies. Interesting. Data from the states that receive a grant under blah, 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 number, 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 as an effect on the day before the date, uh, blah, blah, blah. So they might even, it looks like, as an effect on the day before the date of the enactment of this act, which is basically backdating, which I find very interesting. Motor vehicle data obtained from fueling stations. Any other method that the secretary considers appropriate. Okay, that's where we lose me. All of these <laughs> other metrics are already in place. Okay, that makes sense that you already, like your insurance company knows how many miles are on your vehicle or when you register it or whatever else. Those all are things that already, and vehicle manufacturers, when you already track this data, that all makes sense. But when you just throw in a wild card like, yeah, or however else you want to track every single person. Yeah. Well, this is just a, a, a fact-finding mission. However, I'm very concerned with smartphone applications. That concerns me. How are they going to decide what you car realize I'm in? they're already tracking you. I understand that. But this is, they say that it will be anonymized, right? This thing's sure. like, oh, we'll make sure that everybody's anonymized and protected. Bullshit. There's no way. They have access to this information whenever they want. They can do whatever they want. I would resist this type of thing. It's got to be... Loose, just leave your phone at home then. Here's, here's how it needs I to... I could see you soon going off grid. Me? Yeah. You're no. going to be mountain man, cash only. That would be nice, actually. Can you, you No you, cell you're phone. You're the one that said you wanted to move out on a farm and just oh, get I rid of do. everything. Just yes. peace out. Get out of here. Can you buy it and then I'll build a house on the land? No. Get, get like no. 500 acres yeah. and I'll be on the opposite corner. Okay. And then we can have like a little fire pit in the middle where we can get together and do the podcast. That sounds great. Yeah, that sound are you going to buy this part of the property for me? Or um, are you just like, oh, yeah, I'll buy one acre just right there. Okay. But I'll use everything. <laughs> so also in this bill is stated, for the purpose of the pilot program, the Secretary of the Treasury shall establish on an annual basis per mile user fees for passenger motor vehicles, light trucks, and medium heavy duty trucks, which may amount, may vary between blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm getting bored. I know. Uh, weight classes to reflect blah, blah, blah. Infrastructure, safety, congestion, the environment, and other related social impacts what what is that what does that have to do with any of this no i'm asking what, what well, they're just the purpose of the pilot program oh, the is, is to investigate okay. the environment and, I get it. and related social impacts sure what is the related social impact of this tracking people it is adding another tax onto in in, in my mind the, the 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 most impacted by this will be rural and middle america because right. they drive they drive them off. You're right. If you live in a city, you're not going to be impacted. Yeah. So they say it's going to be $10 million. Uh, it, it also says after 90 days after they can establish a mechanism to collect the fees and make recommendations to the states. This is all super like weird legalese that's hard to understand. That's what every and bill it's is. super dry and boring. That's because it basically says, hey. lawyers that write it. Hey, we want to track where you're going so we can tax you on your movement. Sure. Is basically what it comes down to. Um, How do you it, feel about that, Chris? Very bad. Any excess funds remaining after carrying out the pilot program will be returned to the taxpayers. Now, is this a federal program or state? You were supposed to laugh at that part. (laughs) Yeah, that won't be returned. It says any excess will be uh, available made for grants for other projects. Sure, yeah. Um, State or federal? Uh, So they did say a lot of the the mechanism will be either, it says we're going to decide if it's federal, state, or private party. So you'd okay. have like a third private party. If company. they want to do this in California or something, that's fine with me. I just I can't see it happening uh, here. It will. There's no question about it. It absolutely will. Uh, my question is: is once they have something like this, you're never going to get it back. They're not going to. I would be fine with this if they got rid of the gas tax, but they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, conveniently, the odometer in my Pinto and 911 broke yesterday. Oh, so really? I don't really. I don't really have to worry about any of this. <laughs> um, but that's why they're going to just make it a, a phone app. Right. But I don't know. How are they going to tell if you're riding with somebody or driving a car? See, this is all very, very difficult. Here's what it's going to be. This is my theory. It is going to be odometer tracked. If you don't have an OBD2 port in your car, Uh you will need to get inspected once a year. Mm. They're going to track your mileage. Mm -hmm. And if your odometer is broken, you're going to get fined. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that I can think that this is going to happen. That and they maybe they'll do another cash for clunkers just to get all the cars off the road. 
Yeah, I could see both you know, of just, those things Just happening. yank them off. Um, this is also something I see hugely punitive to the trucking industry because nobody drives more miles than trucks. True. And those guys are... Uh, they're, they're already tracked. They're, well, yeah, but it's not mileage. Well, they do track their mileage, but they're just adding a tax on. I don't care if truck drivers or commercial if, industry... For commercial, it may be it, exempt. It doesn't really matter to me. It may be exempt in commercial. No, it's not. It specifically says commercial. Oh. Yeah, it's not exempt. Yeah, that's... that's you're nuts if you think they're going to do that. They're absolutely doing it. Um, the problem is, is that all the trucks bring you all your stuff. Everything. That's what I'm saying. Food, See, goods, everything. Buy local, Chris. Buy local, sure. It's going to cost a little bit more, but you could avoid some of this. But the problem is, is what does this do when they add the tax to these drivers that are bringing all your stuff? Odds are that what they're going to do is they're just going to eat the cost, right? They're just going <laughs> to keep the they're no, going to keep the price of things. The cost the same. just goes back down to consumers. Yes, it's going to get passed on to consumers, which is something that nobody ever really realizes that all these kinds of tax, especially when it's on commercial business, always gets passed on to the consumers. Always, um, this is inevitable. As long as they get rid of the gas tax, I'm okay with it. They'll never do it, you know. But it is what it is. This is. Now, two-edged sword. Get rid of... Uh, they can't tax electricity because it's used for other things. Yep, they that can't just do that. doesn't make sense. Nope. You're right. So it just... I don't know how you do it. I, and I, I understand... I think it's inspections. I understand and OB- they feel the need to do it, but... Yeah. It's inspections and OBD2. Those are the two things. Those are the only things that make sense. Nothing else really makes sense. Although I'm sure the secretary and the government could come up. They left a closet. We'll just do it however we want. Right. So I'm sure that's that's an option. So yeah, this is, I could see that being the case. Make sure we can tax uh, EVs yep. and also double taxing the combustion engine. Right. So it becomes punitive to drive a gas car because you could pay half the tax if you would just drive the well, EV. depending on how much it actually And is. then once they get everybody off the combustion engine thing, they'll just raise the tax on the, on the mileage fees. That's my theory. Potentially. Yeah. Um, so we've got, uh, pick one story. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick this one. So Google's director of product management, Dominic Pruce, took to Twitter late last week with a very unnerving complaint regarding his Tesla. The tweet reads as follows, quote, If you double-click the shift panel twice and accidentally engage the autopilot in a Model 3, Tesla will automatically <laughs> charge you $14,100 if you didn't previously purchase autopilot. No password prompt, no credit card challenge, just fourteen grand on the credit card on file. Wait, first of all, my question is: the automatic pilot thing costs fourteen thousand dollars. That costs ten grand or four grand, but then there's another ten grand. He he laid out all the costs. Okay, there was ten grand for some other thing as well. What other thing? What is it? What costs fourteen thousand dollars when you click a button, Jake? Well, that's just the problem. Okay, so. Okay, the acceleration boost is two grand. Autopilot is three grand. Full self-driving capability is ten grand. Good God! Yes. Um, so you're just like, what if your kid is your seventeen-year-old kids out driving the car and they click the button? You get charged fourteen grand. Doesn't it just decline? Doesn't your credit card decline it? Well, that's kind of what happened. Apparently, Bruce had lent the car out to his father-in-law, who unwittingly activated autopilot. Now, he, how do you unwittingly do it? I don't understand. Because he accidentally double-clicked the gear shift, and boom, fourteen grand. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. No, seriously. And he was able to get the charges refunded later. But it's just so ridiculous that you can be charged fourteen grand by accident. And here's even what's worse: this isn't the first time that this has happened. In October of 2020, another Model 3 owner, Dr. Ali Vaziri, accidentally bought an autopilot upgrade for $4,280. He said at the time that he was charged it was charged while simply taking his phone out of his pocket because of course the Tesla has an app, so I guess you can just accidentally butt dial and charge yourself over 4 grand as well. Wonderful. The future, ladies and gentlemen. Farting cars that charge you fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is really, really special. This is you know great. what? I just want I want that Morgan plus four. I want a car with an odometer that's broken. I would so what do you think the fee is gonna be so punitive that you have to fix it rather than pay the tax? Because right now, if you think about the way they did the the Obamacare or whatever, the fee or the fine that you have to pay mm-hmm. is way less than if you actually bought insurance. Right? It's still way less. Oh. The, the penalty for if you don't have insurance is, is way less okay. than actually making sure you buy it. So are they going to make it so there's some sort of fine for not complying? That is I just think it's going like, to be such a you're small percentage your... of non-compliance. Yeah, but still, I'm, I'm going to want my privacy. Am I going to be buying my privacy, yeah. basically? Yes. That is insanity to me. 
<laughs> absolute insanity. Just everybody getting tracked all over the place. You know, they might as well just. Nope, not gonna go there. I will. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll, <laughs> no, no, not gonna go there. Not doing it. Not gonna go there. I was just gonna fill say, in the blank. Yeah, they might Chris's as well. This conspiracy corner. <laughs> what do we got going on next week? What's going on um, on Monday? We have a history story. Yeah, which one is it? I don't remember. <laughs> Again, for the second week in a row, I don't remember. Do yeah, you remember what is it? Oh, I, I do. What is it? Operation Starfish Prime. Starfish Prime. Yes, absolutely. This I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Crazy story yeah. I dug up about, has, about government testing that was done. It has nothing to do with SpongeBob and Patrick, we promise. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and the name is crazy. It but is. it's, yeah, it's a crazy story. All right, we will see you guys on Monday. Take care.